0: Everybody, us grace force podcast i'm doug barry along with my good friend father richard heilman and our guest tonight is the amazing david gray yeah. this is going to be a great show <laughs> father of course we want to start everything with prayer so i turn this over to you
1: sure in the name of the father son and the holy spirit amen. amen saint michael the archangel defend us in battle be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil may god rebuke him we humbly pray and do thou o prince the heavenly host By the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruinous souls. Amen. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Father. I prayed that
1: with passion because evil is going wild right now.
0: Boy, no kidding. Uh, No kidding. And we're going to get into a lot of that tonight. Of course, the prophecies, are they speaking to our times? And ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But I also want to make an announcement that right now, as this airs on... (laughs) Wednesday, March uh, 17th, we are two days away from the solemn, amazing feast of that incredible St. Saint Joseph, the Solemnity of St. Joseph, March 19th. But tonight, Wednesday, the 17th, as this airs, we are in the midst of the doors being opened for the Battle Ready Coalition. And I cannot encourage you well enough. I know Father's been a tremendous supporter and and help behind this, and he's part of this. The Battle Ready Coalition is a unification it's coming together we're uniting the clans whatever you want to say body mind soul training to be better prepared for what's going on and his father just mentioned evil seems to be going nuts cancel culture chilling effect all kinds of things going on in our world we see it everywhere we see it in the secular world we see it in the church we see all across the board this this really it's like a diabolical disorientation that sister lucia talked about and so Battle to the Coalition is an opportunity to train together to raise the bar. It's a monthly online membership where you get a training video, you get a manual, a printable manual, you get several Zoom live meetings throughout every month, and we address specific topics. We have bonus footage that comes out, but the topics that we address cover body, mind, soul training, a little bit of nutrition, a little bit of exercise, a little bit of self-defense, a lot of focus on how to expand the mind, grow the mind, both in the faith and for the talents and gifts that God gives us so we can serve God and reach out to one another, and, of course, the soul to get ourselves more spiritually prepared for the battle that we are in the thick of right now. And we need to be more active in the sacraments. We talk about daily rosary, auxilium, Christianorum, prayers, all these amazing, amazing gifts that God gives us in the faith, and we want to be active in this. But we need to train for this, take this seriously, not just haphazardly and not kind of a take-it-or-leave-it attitude and not like we're throwing something at the wall, mud, hoping it sticks, We're talking about really gearing up for the battle that we're in the midst of right now, and we're all facing it. So I want to thank, uh, of course, Father Heilman. Father, you've been fantastic at helping to support this and get this word out, and I can't thank you enough for that. You being a a coalition member, and we're going to have some footage from you in future coalition pieces for people. And people have been asking for you, Father. We get emails from people saying, it's Father Heilman, we're going to hear from him. So yeah, we got some pieces. we got to get you involved and come out on this as well.
1: Yeah, this is a great training for all our... US Grace Force people. I mean, it's the best. So it's, it's fantastic, Doug. Thanks.
0: No, I appreciate that. And, and it, this is something that I know, you know, we're, we're going to talk tonight about our prophecy speaking to our times. And really, it kind of falls into the same line of thinking of what the Grace, I'm sorry, what the Battle of the Coalition is about is that we do have to pay attention to the signs of our times, but we have to look at them through the lens of the Catholic faith. And we have to be grounded in the truth, the deposit of faith and really realize you know, what, what pieces we need to be more concerned about. And really, we, we hear the term a lot, and I know, Father, you and I talk a lot about this term that God's in control, God's got this, we know who wins in the end. And you and I agree, I know we've talked about this off camera, we, we know who's in control, we know that God wins, we're not concerned about that. We're concerned about the really how we are responding to grace or not responding, and how human free will can really cause some serious problems and that God has both the permissive will and the positive will. And sure, God's in control, but he'll never override our free will. And therein lies the struggle because the prophets of old as the prophets of modern times, like a St. John Paul II, or I think a Fulton Sheen or Padre Pio or Mother Angelica, these were great, great voices at our time who are telling this, have been telling this, and I think their voices still ring out saying, you know, world... You got to wake up and your free will has got to be choosing the right thing because you're really setting yourself up for trouble. And and this is David, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on the podcast tonight because, you know, you being theologian, you've got a great, great grounding in the deposit of faith, in the truth, scripture, and so forth. And just kind of a, a clear way to look at how prophecies can, as you mentioned to me earlier today, when we were going back and forth on, on getting ready for this, you mentioned that, that one thing about how we can actually turn some of this kind of stuff Into a form of idolatry, if we're not careful. Break that down a bit, if you don't mind, about how can we turn, you know, maybe overindulgence in modern prophetic times, like the the illumination of conscience, three days of darkness, this kind of stuff. How this can become all-consuming and become almost like adultery, uh, idolatry to us, not adultery, idolatry.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, um, Doug and Father Hobman for having me back on the show. Had a right. great time last time. So pleasure to be back. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I like a lot of what you you know, you you led into with um the retreat that you're doing on Battle Ready. And a lot of it has, I mean, it, it all ties into what we're talking about tonight. Um, as prophecy speaking to our times. And I was thinking about if if we look into the old testament and we look at just the quality and the character. Of prophecy and the prophets um, of old, and we see that uh, there's always always a form of consistency with what they were issuing, right? And and prophecy, of course, just means you know the message. You know, they're the messengers of God. They're giving God's message. It's not their personal message. It is God's message, right? Um, and I, I was thinking about that when uh, you know you're talking about being battle ready, and I think that's what the prophets are doing in the Old Testament. That Yes, I think their their messages are from God. Yes, oftentimes, almost all the time, they're 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 difficult. They're hard, right? Sometimes they're transactional. That you know, if 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 you don't do this, this is what's gonna this is what's gonna happen. But if you do do this, this will happen, right? This sort always, that that transactional. If you obey God, good things will happen. If you're if you're disobedient to God, something bad is going to happen. Um. So, but but what they're doing is they're getting people ready for battle, right? Mm. Rather that that that's that's a battle with um uh, coming wars with maybe the other 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 um countries other kingdoms from outside but it's also that 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 battle, getting battle ready for conversion getting mm. ready to change your life and turn your life and turn your yourself to God so th- I think this is where 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 it comes in where where prophecy can be dangerous right so if the the role one of the, the aspects of prophecy is to get us ready for battle all right then sometimes we can take prophecy and we can, we can place what we're, uh, what we're hearing, we can place it above what the purpose of the intended prophecy is for. For example, uh, we can make prophecy about us. Right. We can make, oh, it's just just all about me, which can make was really a disoriented way to look at life. Right. Because this is our life. It is us, but it's never about us. Right. So we can we can turn and we can make a prophecy about us and what we want and what we desire rather than turning us towards God. And so we can make prophecy an idol that sense and putting it above above God. We can take what we're hearing, where we're receiving this prophecy, and we can put it above what God desires for our life, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's sort of like how uh you know, we could we I know we mentioned this a little bit before the show. I think one one clear example, I think most recently was um the election of the re-election of President Donald Trump. Clearly his re-election, right? But then it didn't turn out that way for uh well something you know the the powers that be to make it the will of the people was not representative with the, with the will of people actually voted so uh, right after was, the election was a, it,
0: I'm sorry David that was a that was a very nice way of putting it <laughs> right <laughs> a very correct way to to keep the to keep our podcast
2: from being taken yeah, down yeah I don't, yeah I don't yeah I don't I don't like I don't want, you yeah, I don't that, want yeah. YouTube to take this video down right but, <laughs> but um so right after the election we we started hearing like a bunch of prophecies about President Trump, right? Um, yeah. That on this day, this was going to happen. Or on this day, Trump is going to come riding on a white horse and he's going to throw Nancy Pelosi in prison, right? And these uh. prophecies are always good to hear. They're never hard. They're just they're just so pleasing to the ears. Mm. And so, and a lot of people, in evidence that a lot of people made th- some of those prophecies their idol was that they when those prophecies didn't turn out to be true, they p- have put so much hope in them. They that placed so much stock in them yeah. that when they didn't turn out to be true, it affected their spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And they felt depressed and they felt um, anxiety. And, uh, and so that, that's, you know, an example of what, you know, making a, a prophecy your idol looks like.
1: Yeah. yeah. I always like the way that God um, answers our prayer, but it's not exactly how we wanted it. Yeah. And, and um, I've always found it's, it's better it's better for us the the way he answers it, but he answers it, you know, and it's maybe not in our timing, for instance, yeah. uh, that. It, so I apply that to what's going on right now. And again, I always qualify. I can't predict what God is going to do. I, I never do. And, uh, I always look back though. And I see what God did. And uh, I always too, I do look for hopeful, hopeful signs of, of what God might be up to, but, mm. Uh, in, a, in a spirit of hope that these signs are meant to give us a, 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 a kind of hope, but uh, with this whole election and, and where we are now, and I, I just call it just a, a, an, um, a demonic in, uh, infiltration in our times. It's just, it's just taking control, and I feel like evil is, is, um, uh, is um, arrogant right now. And it, it, because it just feels like it's 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 time, and I found it interesting too because I was I was reflecting back on when it was the week after the election when we had uh, Father Ripperger on, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, you know, this looks a lot like uh, what we what we see in um, in uh, exorcisms, where there is a, a spirit of a- arrogance and that, uh, that it feels like it's in charge then, and uh, and, and it and it is more aggressive. And, and it does claim victory. And and that's usually just what happens just before the liberation comes. Yeah. So, and again, I'm not saying that is what's going to happen, but I sure hope so, that there's gonna be some kind of, um, you know, crash and burn for uh, this demonic in, uh, infiltration that's going on right now. And uh, I actually was uh, connecting dots uh, with an article I wrote just recently, and I found it interesting that we entered into this, what what uh, our president has been calling a very dark winter, with this Christmas star. That was the first day of winter, and then I, I it it just uh um, it just uh came to me that, well then what's the last day of winter? Well, it's the feast of Saint Joseph, the solemnity of Saint Joseph, uh, in the year of Saint Joseph, and again I'm not going to predict what God's up to there. But there, there are signs of hope going on right now. And I think, and David, if you would talk to this too, um, I don't know where you think our, um, our rising will come. You know, the, 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 uh, there's, it's always darkest before the dawn where our rising will come. But I, I think we're heading toward a, a, an enormous revival. It, and, and because... I think that evil has been so arrogant, and like Father Ripperger says, like it does, just before liberation comes, and so aggressive, that I think that a lot of people are understanding. You know, I think the people that that uh, put him into power or put this 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 regime into power. I don't want to point at any individual person because it's a lot of people that are involved in this, but uh, I I think they're becoming horrified as they're seeing so much evil. Um, you know, right, right in our face. I mean, I was say, I was saying you can't turn on the news anymore because they're just, every word that comes out of their mouth is a lie, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just that aggressive mm-hmm. uh, right now. And, and I think it's, it's becoming more apparent, more shocking to people. And also too, and I, this goes to, a, I don't know where it is to Tim, Timothy three, I think it is. But when he talks about the end times where people will be licentious and, and, uh, you know, lovers of, of the flesh and all this stuff. And, but the last line of that is, um, they will make a pretense of religion, but deny its power. Okay. And, and uh, I just think that, if, if anything, is um, what we're being, what's being revealed to us right now.
0: Well, I, you know, Father, I, I, I want to yeah. chime in if you don't mind on that point because I think you made yeah. a good point. And David, I, I don't want to cut you off and we want your response on this. But, you know, the signs that we're seeing, when we hear things like, uh, you know, Mr. Potato Head gets canceled. I know. Seuss gets canceled. And we all go, wow, this is getting crazy. This is insane. And then there's a lot of social media memes that are kind of poking fun and kind of laughing at this and that. That's not the stuff that concerns me the most. I mean, those are indicators. I see those as major red flags and indicators, but what you just said, Father, about this pretense of religion. Right. There's something about the, we're, it's a, the, the canceling of God, the, the mocking of God. Um, there's a movie coming out. Um, called. I think it's called The Unholy, if I'm not mistaken. I you've seen the trailer for this. I saw the trailer. And it is actually um, coming out on Good Friday. And it, it's, it's a horror movie based on Marian apparitions. Okay. Uh-huh. And the trailer alone, I, I, I watched the trailer. Cause I, I some, you know, this stuff comes to me as it does to you too. I know when you're in this, this line of work, you know, people are communicating with you on things. Have you seen this? What do you think of this? And so forth. And when I came across this trailer was, you know, it was mentioned, I, 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 I almost started to weep for our blessed mother because they, they horrify the idea of our blessed mother. Now I know saying this is going to cause some people to think, oh, what's he talking about? We need to look into it. I'm going to say, if you look into this, you better do it at arm's length. This is the sort of thing where I think, you know, you don't mess with someone's mother and especially Jesus's mother. And this is one of these things, you know, pretense of religion, mockery of God, mockery of religion to such a degree now. And then we get these kind of, I almost feel like it's one of these things where you're doing this and then boom, the uppercut, you know, where Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head, boom, we're trashing God. And, and, we're, and we're just we're, we're relentless in, in undermining your worship of God. Still we're dealing with churches that have been shut down. We're dealing with fear tactics to keep people from going out and worshiping God. These types of things I find much more concerning and I think a lot of the other stuff is is part of it, but not nearly as egregious as things, that are attacking the holiness and the sacredness of worship in our church and in this whole day of, of, of the understanding of, of God and how we need him in our lives. David, what are your thoughts on, on this? On what Father and I said.
2: Yeah, one one thing that that, that struck me as both of you were talking it was it was the fact that man pride once you can count, count on about pride, pride is consistent in the sense that pride always comes before the fall, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I mean that that's like a lot of what you're seeing right now just, just a bunch of Pride at work. I mean, they, they are very triumphant, they're very victorious, and they're they're taking victory laps. Um, but you know, one, one thing is also consistent about God. We can say there's a lot of consistent things about pride, right? We can point to a lot of things, but also what's consistent about God in response to pride is God God always lifts up the holy, right? He strikes down the proud. And so we, we we can count on that aspect. I think, and, and Father Harmon is correct. I think you know, obviously there's going to be a revival. But we don't know what that's going to look like right and i think we may be surprised about what that revival yeah. looks like right and so that, that's one thing i wonder about i think last time i was on the show i think we talked a little bit about that about perhaps now we're entering to you know the church being the body of christ now the church has to experience the same mission or same journey as christ at calvary in, in in part of that journey, what age are we in with the church? Are we in the age of persecution? Right? Um, are we are are we are, are we on our, our way to the cross? Are we carrying the cross? Where, where are we at in that journey, right? But inevitably, how that does that, that story unfolds is that Christ is resurrected. So I think so, obviously, there's gonna be a, a revival. I wonder what it looks like. And I think, and I, I think you guys are right too about the um, you know, the, the, the sense of something uh, crazy is about to happen, right? You know, what what, what is this fall going to look like, right? When, when the prideful are struck down, what is it going to look like? I mean, you can only persecute God's church for so long, right? You can only do evil for, for so long before God just sheds a light on all of that. And so I, I think one sign that the fall may be near i don't know i don't want to give a prophecy but one thing you can say about washington right now and at least the executive branch is that no one's in charge right it's not joe biden i <laughs> mean th- th- i mean this guy he doesn't even know his name he doesn't even know where he's at i mean he's not uh-huh. in charge it's, i mean it, it, so so who's in charge is it nancy pelosi is it the yeah, what am i signing radar right? I, that's, what,
1: that's what i felt like with the uh the the uh, presidential um what do they call those um the, the debates no the the things they signed the 40 things oh the, exe- the executive, oh, executive orders. orders the executive yeah. orders yeah. i was like I, I felt like he should have had radar standing next to him and going what am i signing from math yeah. 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 yeah yeah i mean some
2: people some people think maybe Obama obama's in charge maybe there's like a secret government running the government yeah. so um but yeah eventually so when you don't have someone in charge all right um one, people start to ask questions. I think the media, even the liberal media, is starting to ask a few questions like, okay, how come we haven't had a press conference from right. Joe Biden yet? So right. they're, they're even starting to ask just a couple questions. But eventually, with, with no one truly in charge, I mean, a lot of infighting is, is going to take place, and eventually it's, it's going to get exposed for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I,
1: I think that's what's, that's what's going on is there's... Yeah like I said earlier, it's, 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 this evil is so arrogant. It's exposing itself. It's not bothering to hide itself any, any longer. And at some point, you know, people have to get uh, uh, untied from their, their worldly idols and be able to recognize, look what you're looking at. You know, it's, I mean, evil is in our face. Uh, like you said, Mr. Potato Head, are you kidding me? I mean, the, the new one was the uh, Grammys, you know, <laughs> that, uh, uh they, they had these um it, it looks like a strip club uh show on at the grammys and just when the, they're they're censoring you know mr potato head and dr seuss but this is okay they yeah. actually uh, if i'm not mistaken they actually rated the show g so little ones could have been sitting there watching this um and so it, it, again it's just kind of this arrogance of evil we were in charge we know better you know you're uh we're the smart ones you're the dumb ones and uh and, and I, I just think that, that there's going to be a rising up and, and you know, some people say a civil war. and I don't think so. I think, it, I think it's going to be um, a uniting of a, uh, I call it, the, you know, we're all called to be children of the light. Each one of us has a light. Together we're a bonfire. And I, I just think that's going to happen. I, I think we're going to be collectively coming together and united. I want to get to... I have this compulsion right now to get together with my Protestant brothers and sisters. I, you know, I don't know, but I just feel like that right now. That uh, not not at the exclusion of my Catholic brothers and sisters, but let's let's all unite. You know, we love Jesus, and and we want to make this world a better place. You know, we want to elevate our game. You know, we want to have the highest values and morals and and ethics. You know, and, and we and we've been working at that as a country, and we've been. We've been uh, learning from our mistakes, you know this this uh, this ra- this whole racism thing. Uh, sure, there's remnants of it now, but but we've gone a long way to heal ourselves from from that kind of thing. And yet, you know, those are d- who are disconnected from God. Um, you know th- what you what you were is who you are. No, you're not. You're redeemed. You're a brand new person. You know, and and I think we've been redeemed maybe several times over as a country. So I, I don't know. I just think. I think we're heading in that direction where where I think people are going to come to to the conclusion this is the only place we can go it is mm-hmm. to is to unite the light yeah, and, Father, it, and become a bonfire.
0: Father you're 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 pretty much a is half full type of guy. Oh yeah. I on the other hand think we're doomed it's over. <laughs> I think you need to be going to your bunkers ladies and gentlemen right now. <laughs> I'm yeah. only kidding. I'm only kidding. Yeah. I'm only kidding. No, I know. Yeah, the,
1: the whole pull for like a Benedict option in that, you know, where yeah. people take themselves and put themselves out in the country with a little community, you know, maybe, but I, honestly, I think it's good. We got to go the opposite. We got to mm-hmm. find each other more, you know, yeah. Than, yeah. than separate ourselves.
0: Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I, I think that there's, I, you know, you and I, Father, have done shows on this, that there is a hope that is rising. That was the title of our program a a couple weeks back was hope is rising you know be part of this this solution this movement but i do think that the persecution will come with it but that's part of the hope you know you go back Mm -hmm. to the early christian Mm -hmm. days and and uh you know they dealt as father you and i talked about last week they dealt with the roman empire you know those men burst out of that upper room after the holy spirit came to them on pentecost they dealt with the roman empire they took it to them in the face You know, and yeah, the persecution was massive. You know, 11 of the 12 are martyred, you know, and John, they they couldn't kill him. They tried, must have really freaked him out. He wouldn't die, you know. So you've got this really intense situation where they brought it. I mean, they brought it to the Roman Empire and they were victorious, but the persecution went with it. And I think that's what's happening here to some degree, too. But I also think, and, you know, David, like your thoughts on this. I mean, we talk about are the prophecies speaking to our times? We've got modern-day prophecies that have been approved by the church. You know, a key to Japan really is, is, I think, on a lot of people's mind because uh, going back to um, October um, 2019, and, Father, you and I have talked a lot about this, where Sister Agnes Sasagawa, you know, allegedly receives another message from the angel to put on ash and pray a rosary of repentance
1: that— I find it interesting, too, that the last one before that was 1973. right.
0: Yeah, yeah, the click. Yeah
1: the, year, yeah,
0: the year of Roe v. Wade. Uh, and, and it was actually October 13th, which is the, was her last apparition in 73, which is the anniversary of the miracle of the son of Fatima. So you've got these unique connections in these church-approved apparitions. But as a friend of mine posted many months back, we're seeing part of the Akita apparitions and prophecies come true, bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, pray very much for consecrated souls because the demon is relentless against consecrated souls. And we're seeing the, the struggle within the church and all oh, that's been unfolding over the last, what 15, 20, whatever years that it's come out 20 plus years. Yes. You go back to the Dallas charter, no two and so forth, all that that came out and this, the, the, the McCarrick and all that, um, that was also public. But as my friend says in this message that he puts on social media, are you ready for the other part of the Akita apparitions, which are, fire falling from the sky and a great multitude of the world being annihilated (laughs) that's and you know and and david this goes back to what you had said earlier i think it was maybe before the show got started you were talking we got to stop talking so much before the podcast by the way guys because we always have some of the best stuff before the podcast but anyway you had said something about um either before the show at the very beginning that the prophets of the old testament never i mean they brought a challenging message they brought a message that was pretty much The fire and brimstone style message a lot of times, most of them were not successful in the sense of like Jonah was where he goes through Nineveh and they actually do respond and Nineveh is spared. But David, the prophecies of the Old Testament compared to the church approved messages, like even of Our Lady Nikita right now, Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there is some significance there. I think it's hard for people. They live in the normalcy bias mindset right now that, oh no, fire from the sky, that couldn't happen to us. But it did happen in the Old Testament, specifically Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. I mean, wh- wh- how do you how do you see that? And wh- like, what do you say to people in today's world when you're looking at, you know, something like Akita? It yeah. connects to Fatima, yeah. and you've got it tied in with. I think Father, the date was October sixth that uh, Sister Agnes receives that message, and that's the first day of the of the Vatican. Um, uh, was it? Pachamama, thank you. <laughs> How could that escape my mind? The Pachamama the, the Amazon
1: Synod started. Amazon
0: that Synod, yeah, and the Pachamama, yeah. you know, um, you know, incident. So David, your thoughts on the Amazon Synod, October 6th, 2019, Pachamama, Akita, Japan. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> tell us. Just what do you gutting, think? Brother, what do you hey, Go. <laughs> David, I yeah, in the same
1: vein, doesn't uh you know, being a scripture scholar, isn't it God's pattern that after an idolatry that he brings oftentimes a plague
2: yeah or he'll or he'll just kill all the people like Korah you know like Moses yes, right. had a, he had a, you know Korah and those guys I mean what an earthquake happened all of them got swallowed up I mean yeah. so yeah there's always a price to pay yeah. what I like what yeah. I really love about um the approved Marian apparitions and some of the ones that haven't even approved is that uh, uh, married apparitions they always remind us a little bit of the creation account that when man was created, the first one of the first things God gave him to do was work, right? That, that you know, man knew what he's created for, labor. Like there's work to do, like go name all the animals, huh? And so, and this is one of the qualities that we see with many of the, all the marrying apparitions that have been approved and some, some of the ones that have not been approved, is that mom gives us chores, right? Mom gives us something to do. Rather, um, we, we can look at the uh, Our Lady of Good Help in Wisconsin, right? I think we're, that was 1942. Uh, so we're approaching 80 years from Our Lady of Good Help. Uh, who saved all those people and, and the fire was burning around right, them and they found right. they found hope in, in, in the church there. So it hasn't been, you know, it hasn't received that formal approval, but it did have the, the quality of a Marian apparitions that all of them do, and that is mom gave us something to do. She gave yeah. us a chore. Yeah. And so she had told the children there, she she said, um, she said, there's still work to do, right? And so she gave them the instruction to, to catechize and teach. And that's all the apparitions, pray the rosary, mm-hmm. um, or, or, or you have to do more, or this is going to happen. So mom always gives us a chore to do. And so, and so that's one thing we, we can definitely look at all the Marian apparitions and, and take hope in that. And when we discern all these other ones, and that's the one thing we can ask, okay, what, what chore did mom give us? All right, what did, what did she have us do? And, and, and so we, we, we consider this today, especially Our Lady of Good Help, um, approaching 80 years now. And you know what what more is there to do? What more can we do? And so it's not prophecies. They are intended for us to just sit around and just think and maybe not do nothing and, and think they we can just sit on our butts. No, there, there's, there's a labor attached to them. And there's the there's again that aspect of getting battle ready and so we have to figure out how we're going to gauge with the world maybe like father Howman said maybe there's some things we could do with, with the Protestants, right because there there's some they can do some work we could tell them some chores the chores that mom gave us to do they want to know their mom's chores right but you know we could, we could you know we could, we could have them do some of the chores as well but'm um, there there's still work to do and we have to find that work and do it
1: yeah it's um I was alarmed uh, in 2019 with the uh, Pew study research uh, that um, Mm, that came out August 5th that said 70% of Catholics don't believe that's God on the altar. Mm. And uh, talk about more to do. You know, I I, I thought in that moment, and and I always get back to, too, that that my my primary role as a priest is to help um, those in my charge to be the most predisposed to receive the gift of the Holy gifts of the Holy spirit. And, uh, I came across, I I bring this up quite often, but I believe it's, it's key in, especially in our times I came across Pope Pope Gregory who ordered those gifts. And then my logical mind said, okay, then in order to get all of them, you got to go through number one. And that's the gift of fear of the Lord or Mm. the gift of awe and reverence. Okay. Mm. And, uh, and, I used to call it awe and wonder. I'm calling it awe and reverence because that's the other, uh, probably the better way of, of, of translating it. But, but the point is, is that to, to help those in my charge to become the most predisposed to receive the power of God, that's, that's what I'm called to do. So by, by my prayer, by my diligence and uh, reverence in the way I offer the mass, by my teaching, uh, you know everything that I do as a priest, has to help, you know, like soften the hearts and help them be open to receive God in the most magnificent Mm -hmm. and awesome way. So that what? So that now they're all in and they want to do it precisely God's way. And fear of the Lord actually means I'm afraid of offending you because you're so amazing. I love you so much. You know, so um, so, uh, to me, if we're going to talk about uh, you know, again, I get back to that that 70% don't believe that's on the altar. I, I, in that moment, I went, okay, the bishops are going to get it now. For sure, they're going to get it now. That, 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 that We've got to put our eggs in this basket, right? For sure, they're going to get it. And instead, it was all talk about, you know, communion for people in mortal sin, and, and let's loosen up restrictions about gay marriage and women deacons. And, you know, it was all like their goody list of all the progressives uh, in our church leading up to the Amazon Synod. And then, bam, mm. let's normalize, I doubt, bringing idols into our church. And I put it this way. is almost like you could hear God go, enough, right? E-e-e- enough. And, and I mm. think that what we're in right now is a little spanking uh, in, in order to shake us up. And, and, and to help us to, 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 to get back on track again. Um, and and, and I, I think the track is to receive the first, th- th- so then we receive the other six, and th- that gift of on and, and reverence. What do you think, David?
2: There was another poll that came out very, you know, not a lot of people have talked about it, but it was another Pew Research poll that um, is, is, is startling as the one you just mentioned. Um, it, it was more so, it came out this year or was it end the last year? I think they conducted it in the last year. I think it just released recently. Um, and I'll send you guys a link to it if you haven't seen it, but it, it was primarily uh, one of the startling things about it was that it concerned people's disposition or attitude towards Catholic liturgy, right? Mm. And um, one of the questions in, in that poll was, um, it was something about, how often do you hear um, speaking in tongues in your church, right? And, and there, are, there are also some other questions that sounded really like towards um, the, the, the charismatic attitude, but Um, A a lot of people have these liturgies that are very Protestant in their, in their character. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there are so many things like, like father Harmon was talking about that the disposition of a priest during the liturgy Mm -hmm. can affect the whole can affect people's spiritual attitude, how how they revere God, how they approach the Eucharist, even those little things like during the prayers of consecration, when a, when a priest kneels, right. And people, everyone's looking at the priest, especially if, if you're, um, say, if you're at a nervous order, right? I mean, people, you know, he's facing the priest, people, the priest facing the people, you know, the, the show, you know, is is a, a form of, you know, showmanship. So everybody's looking at him. And yeah. so he kneels down. Sometimes the priest is sometimes very casual. Sometimes he just barely goes down, pops right back up. Yeah. And there's just just no demonstration of reverence. Right. And, that, and that, that affects everyone because he's father. And if people who have children know that children imitate their father, they follow their father, um, they look to father for an example, and as um, it, a state of being. being, being a child is a form of discipleship, and we've seen, remember in John, the, um, John the Baptist pointed, he says, oh, there's the Lamb of God, so you had, you know, some of the disciples um, go and follow him, and they said, Master, where are you staying, yeah. and Um, And, you know, Jesus said, you know, follow me. And so they they go to his house. And so this was just an example of this is discipleship at at its finest, because we're talking about a time when when people, if you wanted to take up a trade or you wanted to um, uh, uh, follow a a path of life, then you wouldn't stay with a master. You lived in his house. And it wasn't also all times about learning to trade, right? But it's also time about part of learning to trade was finding out how does the master live his life? How does he, what does he eat? How does he dress? What time does he wake up? It's all these other things that just form the whole way of life because your your craftsmanship, whatever you're doing, whatever you're a master of, your craftsmanship is. Um, affected by how you live your daily life. How do you approach your daily life? And so this is what the disciples were learning. They're learning how does Jesus live his life? And they want to stay with him. And so that's what we do when we come to mass, we come to the father's house and, and while we're there as children, we are learning how, how do we, how do we behave? How do we walk like father? You look like, you know, if you look at a lot of children or especially, you know, I have daughters, I noticed that my daughters, they walk just like their mom. They have the same, way of walking the same gait, the same you know which is fine with me mom doesn't swear hips or anything like that she just walks like (laughs) a normal person one leg in front of the other but they all walk like their mom and and so this is what we do when we come to church you know we're how does father walk how does he approach the altar what does he do and and so and and that's what we're missing true examples of fatherhood during the liturgy and this is something you don't have to go to a traditional latin rites to to find this you can, right. if you're right you're trying order of prayers you just need a good faithful priest who's right. reverent and and, and and he approaches the mass as as it ought to be approached and celebrated and this point about i i had this video um very recently i put this video out about um you know i was talking about freemasonry and i was talking about how um there there was a bishop down in grenada who had um you know, he's he's like this, um, what I call masonic ally, right? He's working with the Freemasons on these projects, and also um, in in um, and in, in we saw in one of the church, one of his um, the masonic lodges in, in in Grenada, how they celebrated their I think their fiftieth anniversary of that Mason lodge in a cathedral of of Grenada, and and so, and I was talking about how and all the springs, this this uh, on the islands, Jamaica and Barbados and, and, and the Bahamas and all this stuff, they they have a very unique form of Freemasonry, and in, in that it um in, in that it's become an export of Haitian Freemasonry that is connected with Voodoo, and and this Haitian Freemasonry is being exported to different islands, and I think this is what you're starting to see what's going on in Grenada, this Haitian Voodoo Freemasonry, mm. and and in talking about signs. You're talking about signs. You talk about two of the places on this on this side of the hemisphere that's most affected by this Haitian Voodoo Freemasonry is Haiti and New Orleans. In New Orleans, you can also find a lot of this Haitian Voodoo Freemasonry. Um, and in and, and interesting, these are two of the places. What in like 2010 and 2005, Haiti had that earthquake right in 2010, and in, in, um Hurricane Katrina in in 2005. Now we could we could dismiss these as just. You know just natural things that just happen, you know, you eh, global warming, you know, maybe, uh, but perhaps there, there's something more here, right? And, and so sometimes you have to connect these dots and discern what's going on. And and as again, as our lady of good help, you know, there we have to do more.
0: Well, and on that note, too, David, you, as you, you're talking about that, that survey of the liturgy, um. The, that it's a problem with, with people appreciating reverence, you know, that our mass has become just kind of a free for all this more relativism has crept, has crept into so many different corners. Um, so we've got, you know, father, where you talked about August 5th, that, that, sur- that that survey about how many people actually believe Jesus is present in the Eucharist. And then David, what you mentioned just now, and then with this, this, um, um, exported imported, um, sickness, Got to be careful, of course. Now because we have to be, un, we have to be be careful of censorship in this country, sadly. But then the churches get shut down in a lot of places worldwide, and people don't even have access to the Eucharist anymore, let alone the sacrament of confession. Even at people's death, people have not been uh, given that right to have someone come and, and give them you know, the the final sacraments there at at their death. I mean, is this, I mean, no one knows for sure the mind of God, but this seems to be unusually um, close to these surveys that you're both talking about, that the Eucharist is just taken away, the sacraments taken away. So I'm curious what you both think about that. We are speaking about, are the prophecies speaking to our times right now? We had Pachamama brought into the Vatican, Right at the same time Sister Agnes received this alleged message from an angel to put on, put on ash and pray a rosary of repentance, these two surveys come out, the one you mentioned, David, and the one you talked about, Father, about belief in the Eucharist and reverence in the Mass. And now we have the Mass being shut down for people. And then just recently, we don't know what it means exactly, the Vatican says no more Masses, I think, Father, am I correct in this, are correct. to on the side altars? That's right, and the Latin Mass is only to be celebrated in the crypt by certain priests. That's correct. Okay, so what gives here, David? Father, what what do you think is going? I mean, this seems unusually coincidental, if not prophetically God'sdential, as the saying goes. In my opinion, obviously, we don't know the mind of God, and none of us are prophets here, except maybe you, David. Um,
1: <laughs> one of the things um, I, I I'll let you take this, David. But one of the things I noticed is that because of the sickness um we're not holding hands mm. that's that um and you know so uh, some of the things that we were doing like or um uh, uh, not many eucharistic ministers uh, things like that it, or, there were things that um that people were suspicious about to begin with yeah. uh what did it take away from the ability to have that reverence at mass uh anyway so, so, so no, well
0: and i'm happy about some of those things just yeah. so <laughs> i mean i i'm happy that some of the call it shenanigans you know have been diminished or reduced that i'm happy about yeah. but at it, it, the root of it the fact that we wouldn't have access to receive jesus and then of course there's the big debate over reception of holy communion on the tongue or on the hand mm-hmm. where you've got some bishops who've just said we're not allowing it if you come into our church and want to receive on the tongue ixnay you're gone you know, we're not going to give it to you. I, I know people who've said the priests have just actually publicly said to them, extend your hand, mm. you know, when they've come to receive on the tongue. So, you know, this all of this has gone on, which has really caused, I think, a lot of confusion for people. It's really broken a lot of people's faith too. I know they've told me, you know, these are people who lifelong Catholics love the faith, they're older you know and i've had several down here where i live in tyler texas say to me and i've heard this through comments in facebook and 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 other social media doug this has really tested my faith as a catholic that the bishops and priests i mean the removal of jesus in the eucharist to have reception and then to tell me that i can't receive on the tongue this has just been, it's been an
2: upheaval and confusion for a lot of people. I mean, David, what do, what do you think about some of this? Yeah, you know, the, the, the attack on the Catholic liturgy is demonic. Just always has been. It, yeah. it, it just the deconstruction of the liturgy, the the, the bringing in reverence to the liturgy, it's just an attack on the Holy Eucharist itself. It's an attack on Jesus himself. And this right. has always been a case throughout church history. We can look at every heresy of the Catholic church, and we can say indirectly or indirectly, it was an attack <laughs> on the Holy Eucharist. To, to bring about irreverence and to destroy people's faith. And, and that poll I was talking about is, is actually, you can go to Pew Research um, to find it. It's called Faith Among Black Catholics, subtitled, Most Black Catholic Worshippers Attend Predominantly Black Congregations and See a Role of, for Religion in Fighting Racial Injustice. And then you scroll down a little bit and you see that um, in these churches, um, it says almost half of those who go to Black Protestant churches say they've heard a sermon on racism, and then Catholics, forty-one um, percent of those half, and then um, half all Black churchgoers say they they have they, their services include speaking in tongues, and sixty percent have of, of these um, Black Catholics have heard uh, speaking in tongues. So, and you're telling me that in the Catholic church, during the liturgy, the most important thing we have to talk about is racism. Racism. That, yeah. That's the most important thing to talk about during the liturgy. I still haven't figured out how this even connects to the Holy Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, so the priest, is, he's about to, he's about to uh, consecrate the Holy Eucharist. and And so right before that, when he, he has a key opportunity to connect the the readings of the day with the source and summit of our faith, which is about to happen, the first thing he wants to talk about is people being um <laughs> being offended because you know oftentimes this this conversation, you know, I got, you know I, got, I talked about this a lot, how this this idea of racism that we talk about in the United States today is not real racism, not the center racism, it's it's the emotional racism, people feeling affected, but without any investigation into the matter they want to call it racism it's just 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 prima facie they want to say oh because this happened because that happened oh it had to be because of racism oftentimes it's not Right, probably most of the time it's not it's just people' not investigating the matter, find out why that really happened, and we can go down the list one by one, we can talk about all these incidents. we can talk about the recent one right with with um last year that happened that's supposed to spark this whole thing with George Floyd. I mean why that cop kneeled on his neck was it because of racism or was it because of other reasons mm-hmm. um but without any investigation into the matter, everybody just jumped on racism, the racism had to be the reason. And so this is the conversations that's taking a place in a lot of these churches, this conversation on racism um, that has that, that 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 has nothing whatsoever to do about the source and summit of our faith. Rather than talking about racism from the Catholic perspective, talking about solidarity and how we are creating the image of likeness of God. And um, our life matters because we were created by God and God loved us so much. Our life matters so much that God sent his only son for us. Rather than talking about solidarity as a true response to racism um, and then pointing to the whole Eucharist as the true source of of, of of um, mitigating or reducing sin in the world, we want to talk about it from this emotional perspective. And so this is just the whole, the whole liturgy and so many of these homilies, these, these little fake political stump speeches, they've just made the whole liturgy, the whole mass, I just got a complete joke. I don't know why anyone goes. I mean, if, if you don't believe, if you know, it's like me, you know, the reason why I'm still Catholic is because of the whole Eucharist. And so, but if you don't believe that, I don't even know why you go to Catholic church anymore. I, a lot of these, a lot of these Catholic churches. I, I don't even know why you go anymore because there's nothing there. It's empty. Amen. It's
1: amen. And so it's, it's
2: yeah. just this complete joke that that a lot of these people have made, a liturgy into. And so we wonder why five people are showing up the mass in some of these places.
1: Uh, amen. I'm tracking exactly with you. Yeah, David, right if you were if you were named Pope tomorrow, and based on you know uh, apparitions, prophecies that were laid before us in in recent years and what we're going through right now what would you what would be the first thing or things that you would you would implement in the catholic church if you were named pope
2: oh um i mean just just uh, day one
0: right i just say i think Battle Ready coalition would be at the top of your list right yes
2: yes so yeah free everyone gets a free membership to that first of all but uh yeah if i was pope so here's my executive orders if i'm pope no but uh (laughs) but <laughs> I mean day, day one ad Orientum. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna stop. Yes. I'm, not gonna st- I'm, not, yeah. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not I'm not gonna stop the um tradition. I'm not gonna stop the Norris order. but ad Orientum day one. Yeah, um, say the prayer site, Saint Michael at the end of every mass, yes, um, restoring the, the devotion to the holy name of Jesus. I mean, yes. all you 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 ever watch all these movies? How many times Jesus' name is mentioned? And, and, and so, this the is why the right power is so in the name. In reverence. It's just so much irreverence inside and outside of church. So, we need to restore devotion to bow the, the, name the name of Jesus. Of Jesus. Yes.
1: Yeah. Bow at yes. the name of Jesus.
2: So, that, that was, those would be my first three executive orders. Nice. <laughs> well, I was named
1: pastor of this parish, and that was the first things I did. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Amen. Well,
1: I know, yeah. Father.
0: Father, you said one of the first things you did to help bring about reverence was you changed the music. Yep. Yeah, I mean, talk just a little bit about. I mean, that that's powerful, and the reason why. I mean, and and what happened from there? Just give a a little synopsis. Yeah, we actually that. had a uh,
1: ritual uh, hymnal burning, bonfire burning. <laughs> did you
0: really? <laughs>
1: well, a bunch of us guys got together with some beers and did it. <laughs> oh, but, but we, wow! We took we took out all the. I'm not going to name names, but you know what I'm talking about with all the frilly music and you know the contemporary hymns. Yeah. And, yeah. and got wow. rid of. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But but so by changing- we just had fun with it. We were just we were done, you know. And, yeah. and so, but yeah. And then we worked hard at a choir. I got a very good music director, and yeah, that was one of the ones I felt was very necessary. Sacred beauty, you know. And uh, it's it's very necessary that we work at that area, and get rid of this um, just inane, you know, just kitschy um, uh, contemporary uh, songs that are not hymns. It's just. Well. Uh,
0: I, I think people need to know too. If anybody hasn't looked at any, and I know a lot of the you know Grace Force followers, people who follow this podcast have, but if anybody has not, go out to Father Heilman's Facebook page. Look at the homilies when they're posted. Look at the what ten to twelve altar boys you have at almost every mass. 15. The altar rail, 15, 15 altar yeah.
1: boys. Uh, we're, our, our, our record is 18. Uh, every Sunday I count and I go, darn. We're not, break <laughs> you
2: got any, you have you got any, have you got any, um, have you got any priests out of that yet? Anybody with the seminary yet?
1: We've, yes. Well, we have one uh, that's uh, uh, on his way and uh-huh. we've had a, a handful that went in, but discerned out. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, but, but our, but our, our church is, is very young. So, yeah. um.
0: It's, well, that and that's a key point to make mention, yeah. to mention here is that what's the median age of your church? I think you said it was like thirty-five year olds, give or take. Yeah, or?
1: it's young families, so yeah. they're, oh. so they're not yet ready to go into seminary. The vast majority of them aren't. Yeah. yeah. So that's so we're we're cooking priests. though. So. <laughs> but and like, your
0: and your church is is full to the fullest as as yeah. all this has unpacked the last year. Your your parishioners come to mass. And then I think you said, because in Wisconsin, David, get this, the restrictions they had in Wisconsin is what they could not couldn't do. No after mass, like coffee, donuts, sort of socials. So just last week or so, some of father's parishioners got together and had a tailgate party in the parking lot outside, just set up and had. had they didn't st- even
1: ask me. <laughs> yeah. I just said, wait, what, what are you doing? But <laughs> yeah, They had coffee and donuts, but they had it out. As a, tail, <clears throat> a tailgate party. That's a thing in Wisconsin, by the way. Mm. Tailgate tailgate parties. we got to have a tailgate party. Actually, wow. this coming Friday, and uh, this will be a way of announcement if people want to travel or whatever, but it's on the uh, Solemnity of St. Joseph. On Friday, we're going to do a procession downtown Madison. Uh, Holy Redeemer Church is where we start, and we go up about a block or two to the Capitol. And, um, and we're going to process the Eucharist and we're going to you know it, but it's called protect our families but where i'm going with that too is that afterwards we're going to come back to the parking lot and we're going to tailgate and have meat because it's a solemnity yeah. that over- overrides the uh, the the uh, meat obligation on yeah. on friday so
0: mm. now on that on that point david i'd like your opinion on this regarding saint joseph we're in the year of saint joseph there are prophecies out there, and these are are pretty solid ones. I won't go into detail as to where they're all coming from, but um, in general, that Saint Joseph will play a key role in in not end times specifically, but he'll play a key role in times that are unfolding more seriously. Um, in fact, there's a prophecy, and I believe uh, I'm not going. I'm not going to name it because I'm not sure where it is. I, I'm pretty. I know it's. I know it's approved. Where he actually Saint Joseph in his message says to the visionary. Um, what will come upon the world regarding a chastisement will be so sudden and so abrupt that many people will have no time to do anything to get ready for it. Uh, in other words, wow. be ready, be ready now. Wow. Be better ready. ready I'm up March 16th to 20th. All right. But seriously, <laughs> David, your thoughts on St. Joseph's role. It's the year of St. Joseph. We've got, yeah. We've last got a, day
1: of winter, St. Joseph.
0: Last day of winter, St. Joseph. We've got some amazing, amazing, I mean, historically in the church, St. Joseph's role has been phenomenal, obviously. Yeah. But he's he's been largely kind of set to the side maybe for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and you talk about the need for father figure and so forth, you know, us husbands and fathers, we've got to be turned into St. Joseph. You know, yeah. the, it's Father Calloway, a perfect example, the the consecration to St. Joseph has grown, his book you know and that whole emphasis, oh man, and he went through massive persecution, even writing, you know, uh, you know, devotion to Saint Joseph and so forth. So, your thoughts on Saint Joseph, his role, the times that we're in? What, what, I mean, David, what do you, what do you, what do you see as Saint Joseph's role for us right yeah, now? Especially, yeah, you know,
2: these- when, I, when I was, um, when I was confer- confirmed into the church on August 6th, uh, no, August 8th. August eighth, two thousand six. You know, it was the feast of Saint Dominic. You know, I really didn't know much about Dominic. Now, back then, you know, Saint Dominic guy. We've gotten we've gotten a lot closer since then. So he's he's been my guy for for a number of years. But um, so I, I chose Saint Joseph mm. to be my confirmation name, my patron saint. Back then, just because his his role as father. He's the father who I want to be. And plus, you know, he 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 walks quietly, carries a big stick. Right, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so doesn't say a whole lot of scripture right but you, yeah. you you know his presence is there like father you know you know yeah. when dad's in the house dad doesn't have to say a whole lot right? his present his presence is still there you know wait till dad gets home type of thing yeah and so um I'm not surprised about these prophecies at all especially the, the one you just mentioned so it sounds like something um Saint Joseph would say it sounds like a lot of his character you know that um uh, sudden abrupt, OK, yeah. he's a he's a man of action. And so this is a, a, a great time to be for for this year, 2021, for it to be the year of St. Joseph, because it's time for action. He's a saint of action. And and, and so th- there's work to do. And so he's a great he's a great model for us to follow. So, yeah, well, let's do on, it.
0: Well, and on that point, David, you know, and, and Father passes to you. But but just on that point, you're right. He's a man of action. He's a man of, of quick action when God mm-hmm. calls for it. That, that the angel would come and tell him that Herod has a design to kill the child. You need to flee into Egypt. Yeah. You know, all we know is that clearly Joseph responded right away. And then he took our lady and, and Jesus, the word incarnate and took them through a incredibly dangerous, arduous journey. And he had the, the grit and the toughness to do it. And, and just the trust in God but God did not. And this is, this is a this is something stuck in my crawl space. You know, you know, that, that piece, that place under the house that when something gets in there and just starts to eat away, this bugs me when people say, you know, I'm just going to trust Jesus and not worry about doing anything, you know, back to your point, David, the blessed. Yeah, you're right. It's like, The Blessed Mother always gives us chores to do. St. Joseph is that man that if anybody would say, I trust Jesus, in fact, I'm holding him in my arms right now, (laughs) and still God tells him, you need to go. So he had to act, and he had to act right away. So trusting Jesus, absolutely, but also know that we play a role in our, our behavior physically and naturally in this world. And Joseph, I think, embodies that by responding to God's call through that angel, telling him you got to flee to Egypt and you got to move now. And Joseph says, I'm on it. And he goes, we need to be the same way. I,
1: I've noticed in my own journey, my priesthood, I I've gone uh, pretty much through the Trinity. So I, I started out with Jesus as uh, my pal, you know, my brother, you know, and we walk hand in hand and and, and so there was, a, there was a sense of almost um, uh, irreverence, if you will, uh, that we were chumming. And, and if you're not careful with that image, you can say, well, you know, you're my pal and you, you don't mind if I do this and this, this and that. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was uh, really watering down, at least the way I took it, and I think the way the church was taking it at the time. Um, then I went into the Holy Spirit phase. And that I, I actually got really involved in the charismatic renewal in the 90s, and I do believe my sense of belief in the power of God came out of that. I got out of that just because a lot of pride erupted in the in the community. A lot of prophets were emerging and telling me and others that if you don't believe what I just heard from the Holy Spirit, you're going to hell. And so I couldn't get out of there fast enough. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but I'm in my Father phase right now, and uh, I've been focused on God the God the Father. And I do think our culture and our church really needs uh, to focus on fatherhood. Mm-hmm. I think it's been missing. I think I think it's been abused actually. You know, we're the Homer Simpson fathers, aren't we? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of fathers that we've been portrayed as. Yeah. Feminism has abused us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pornography has abused us. Uh, it, it, um, just our, our other idols have abused us. You know, uh, sports, I'm a huge sports fan, so I, I'm not saying anything against that, but but when they become I- idolatry for us all of that has abused us and it's really diminished fatherhood so many missing fathers right now uh sure. divorce has skyrocketed you know it's become very easy for people to make the choice that we had this argument last night so i'm getting divorced you know and it just it's uh so if, yep. uh, to me if there's any other time right now where we have to really focus on fatherhood and so saint joseph it's right now what do you, what do you think about that David
2: yeah yeah everything everything you say I, I'm just listening and just wanting to take a dose of my head yeah. um so yeah yeah what about you Doug yeah
0: I'm a, I'm a sports fan too yeah <laughs> oh, oh yeah <laughs> you said other things right <laughs> no I you know what it's absolutely right and David you and I you know both being husbands and fathers you know I mean how many children do you have David yeah I have uh, four daughters Four daughters. Yeah. And I have, I have four sons and a daughter and five grandkids now. And I know it's hard to believe because I look like I'm like 35, but no, it's, I have five grandkids. You actually do. You look 35. Oh, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Until I don't shave for a while and you
2: see all the gray coming out of the chin here. No, actually you look like, you look like Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis was 35. (laughs) (laughs) I do get
0: that sometimes. Yeah, the Bruce Willis thing, you know, but, uh, but you know, I, but you're, I mean, you're right, Father, the St. Joseph role, this is something when Father Calloway did, you know, when he wrote this book, you know, Consecration to St. Joseph and my wife and I went through the full 33-day consecration. We had done the consecration of the Blessed Mother, St. Louis de Montfort, my, my wife and kids mm-hmm. and I had done it a couple of times over the years. But when St. Joseph came out, we thought, how perfect, just, you know, bring St. Joseph in too. So we did the 33-day consecration a year ago and we've been, we've been praying a consecration prayer to St. Joseph, memorality St. Joseph and other prayers. Every day since then, and it, it, it was that one initial moment when we said, "You know what? We're taking the plunge. We're going for it." We did the full thirty-three day consecration, and boom! It we just we just made the choice. We're gonna we're gonna make this stick by God's grace, you know. And I I just want to you know reference to to men out there, any man out there, anybody in general who wants to do a consecration Saint Joseph, do it, okay. But for us husbands and fathers in particular, any man in particular, single, married, priest consecrate whatever your situation is, look, choose it. You got to own it. You got to own it. That's one of the things we talk about in the battery coalition all the time. Own it, own it. You can't just wait for some angelic injection to hit you in the arm. And then now you're animated and you're not making choices on this. It's just happening through you own it, make the choice, you know, devote yourself to Jesus through Mary and St. Joseph and realize that St. Joseph will not fail you. He will not let you down. If you choose to cling to him as that role model. So yeah, St. Joseph is, is everything. And yeah, father, I mean, I'm in Texas. I know you're up there in, in uh, the great state of Wisconsin, where I think it's like 27 degrees right now and snowing. Yes. I, I think we're sitting right now. What are we at down here? I just thought I'd have fun and tell you. Um. Oh yeah. It's uh, in Tyler, Texas right now. We're looking at 70 degrees. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. Shut up. up. And it's uh, going on 9 o'clock central time here, 70 uh-huh. degrees in Texas. <laughs> I don't know what it's like there in where you are in Illinois, David, but uh, I can't imagine it's as warm as I am down here.
2: No, it's, it's actually a balmy 52. Oh, so. that's, that's nice. not terrible.
0: Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah. But I would come up, Father. I would gladly come up there uh, and, and do this procession on, on Friday. That just sounds phenomenal. I think do it. Come on.
1: needs to do this. Yeah, come on up. That would be amazing.
0: It's like an 18-hour drive for me. No problem, then.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had to yeah it had to take Saint Joseph a little bit longer to after to get to Egypt. So yeah, right? well, that's so, okay.
0: All right, you got me, you got me. Yeah, I tell you so... what, David, I will
2: swing by Illinois, pick you up. We'll go. Oh, okay. Nice. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, I deserve that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, we digressed. I'm looking at the clock. I think we're out of time. This has been great, David. Um, thank you so much. I was really excited to have you on because uh, you're so fascinating and uh, just thank you. So um, let's well, and, yeah, well, go I, ahead,
0: real quick, Father David. I want to thank you too. This was short notice, and again, you you came to mind right away when Father and I were talking about. Look, yeah. we've got to find someone who's got. I mean, you've got the great sense of humor, number one. I love yeah. that, you know. And and you, so you know, you've got that 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 brevity and so forth. That's just that's <laughs> so good, you know, just to kind of light lighten things up. In other words, yeah. But you've also got that real theological grounding, which we just really appreciate, you know, just to find the right way to look at the prophecies. And I think what you you said, I want to sum up for everybody is, look, ladies and gentlemen, realize the prophecies, scriptural, they're real. They can, yeah, Fatima, Akita, Japan. These are, yes, there they are proved legitimate prophecies. There are things that are unfolding and have unfolded that look very much like we're living through some of this right now, the Pachamama incident. Sister Agnes Sasagawa, October 6th, 2019. What's happening right now with the sickness all over the world, the Eucharist being taken, whatever it may be. Yeah, some stuff looks pretty real right now. We don't know the mind of God. However, I think, David, you said it very well. Don't make this an idol, whether it's you, whether you're thinking about three days of darkness or illumination of conscience, whatever it is you're thinking about, and, you're, and a lot of people are so focused on that. I say pay attention to it. If it hasn't been condemned by the church, sure, pay attention to it. Pay more attention to the approved apparitions of the church, but pay more attention to, along with that, Our Lady of Fatima. I, I, I love Our Lady of Fatima and, and all the apparitions of Our Lady, but she points to her son. Yeah. So get to confession, get to adoration, get to the Eucharist, pray the rosary, pray the auxiliary prayers, be in the thick of the battle, don't take it lightly, and know that any apparition, especially of our Blessed Mother, and any prophecy is for one thing like you said, David, I think so well, she gives us chores to do because we have work here to prepare for heaven and to prepare for her son. And that's got to be the main focus. I just had to throw that out there because it's too easy, as you said, David, to make these idols, to put them on a pedestal and to get too caught up. And all of our conversation can be about prophecies and not about the day-to-day, as I heard it put wonderfully, your altar to serve God, if you're a husband, a wife, mother, father, is in your home, it's for your spouse, it's for your children, for father, it's at the altar, it's in the confessional, and so forth, and this has to be, you know, a real grounded focus, and David, I think you really brought that tonight, so I appreciate that. Yeah,
2: it's a pleasure to be here, I love talking about mom, so. <laughs> that's it, that's it. That's
1: All it. right, let's close with a prayer, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. Thanks again, David. It was awesome.